0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Himalaya. Hello. Thanks for joining us on Think Like an Economist, which is a Himalaya learning production.
2: To get exclusive content, go to himalaya.com slash econ and enter the promo code econ to get your first 14 days free.
0: To find out more about Himalaya Learning, head to himalaya.com econ and get your first 14 days free by using the promo code econ at checkout. It's time to think like an
1: economist. Millions of jobs have been lost. Hundreds of thousands of businesses closed. And I ask every American to join me to fight the foes we face. Joblessness and hopelessness. We can put people to work in good jobs. We can reward work.
0: When President Joe Biden spoke at his inauguration, among the many problems he talked about, jobs and job loss kept coming up.
1: I understand that many of my fellow Americans view the future with fear and trepidation. I understand they worry about their jobs.
0: It's not just the president who cares about this. Not having a job has such a strong impact on people's lives. My dad was unemployed when I was a kid, and it was a scary time. It's shaped the choices my dad made, but it's also shaped the choices I've made as an adult.
2: And Betsy, you were chief economist at the U.S. Department of Labor under President Obama. When Joe Biden was vice president, how much time did you guys spend focusing on unemployment?
0: Actually, that was pretty much all I did. I was either working to ensure that families devastated by the loss of income had access to unemployment insurance that would give them cash they needed, or working to come up with ways the government could help create more jobs or help people find or get trained for jobs.
2: And unemployment is the topic of this week's Think Like an Economist with me, Justin Wolfers.
0: And with me, Betsy Stevenson. teach you the super tools of economics to transform your lives. Nazteran Tavarkali Farah
3: is with us. Betsy, the Department of Labour must deal in big numbers, such as looking at tens of millions of people and their jobs. But for a lot of people, their job can really go to the core of their identity. How do you look at these millions of people with all their personal hopes and fears?
0: Well, you know, the numbers tell us something about the reasons that people are likely to be unemployed and how likely they are to find work. But most importantly, you just got to realize that behind the unemployment statistics are real families struggling to pay their rent or their mortgage or put food on the table. There are parents that look worried and kids who don't really understand why they can no longer have ice cream or, or get the new book that all their friends are reading.
2: Did you know that at the start of the Great Depression, the U.S. Labor Department didn't know how many people were unemployed? They simply didn't have any way of measuring unemployment.
0: Yeah. The Secretary of Labor got into an argument with a senator who was a leading labor rights proponent at the time named Robert Wagner about how many people in the U.S. were unemployed. The Department of Labor had existed for decades measuring employment, and the unemployed were just sort of assumed to be any man who didn't have a job.
2: The rest of the world had a similar problem. So governments tried to come to a common understanding of what it meant to be unemployed so that we could measure it and then compare apples with apples. The agreement was to focus on adults, and not just on men, but all people who didn't have work, who wanted to work, and who were therefore trying to find work.
0: When it comes to talking about the labor market, there's some simple definitions. People with jobs are employed. People who are jobless, looking for a job, and available to work are unemployed. The labor force is the word we use for putting those two together, the employed and the unemployed. And then people who are neither employed nor unemployed are not in the labor
2: force.
3: The statistic that we hear about every month in the news is the unemployment rate. So let's talk about exactly what this is.
0: It's simply the share of the labor force that's unemployed. So it's the share of people who want to work, who can't find a job. In December 2020, the unemployment rate was 6.7% in the United States, which was roughly twice what it had been a year earlier. The pandemic has caused a lot of unemployment.
3: A lot of these people will go back to jobs once businesses reopen, hopefully. Are they counted amongst the unemployed?
2: Naz, that's a great question. And the pandemic highlighted the fact that measuring unemployment relies on people like you and me responding to surveys. The goal is to count all those people experiencing what is hopefully temporary job loss as being unemployed. But some people told surveyors they were still employed. After all, they also hope to go back to their job
0: some people saw these misclassifications as being a scandal, but to me they were just a good reminder that unemployment is really about people, and lots of people were confused about what was happening with their employment during the pandemic. These definitions we're talking about are just a way to try to measure unemployment, and no measurement is ever perfect. (laughs)
3: Let's talk about people who give up. It's always seemed to me that we assume away the problem when we don't count people who are so bummed out looking for work that they stop looking for work as unemployed. It seems a bit arbitrary.
2: That's the toughest part of measuring unemployment. There are a lot of people who give up or just realise their time is better off spent on something else other than looking for a job, like maybe looking after their kids.
3: Yeah, I remember that in our episode on the labor market, we spoke to a stay-at-home parent called Megan, who loved her job as a domestic violence advocate. But she told us that sadly, childcare is too expensive, so it doesn't make financial sense for her to work.
1: Once my second child came along, we realized that the cost of infant care by itself was outrageous, but having to pay for two children with the salary that I had It turned out to be not reasonable or really
0: doable at that time. So that's why we decided that it was better that I stay home. That job, it was really like where my passion was at that time. I loved it.
2: (laughs) So Megan is not technically unemployed. There are alternative measures of unemployment that are broader and try to capture people like Megan and others that you might think we should consider as unemployed. For Megan, we'd say she's marginally attached. People in this category have looked for a job in the past year, but they're not looking for one right now. Some of the marginally attached have family commitments, like Megan, or have health problems.
0: Right. And without paid leave, somebody with a health problem might lose their job and because they can't look for work. They aren't even counted as unemployed. I mean, in some country, people with health problems get access to paid leave and then they still get counted as employed.
2: Another reason people are marginally attached is when they're not looking for work because they don't think there's a job out there for them. We call these people discouraged workers.
3: What about people who can't find jobs using their skills, so they take what they hope is a temporary job like working in a coffee shop?
2: They're not unemployed. Instead, we say these people are underemployed. The problem is that there's not a good way to measure how many people are in this sort of situation. After all, everyone would like a better job. And sometimes you see someone working a job that seems like a poor fit for them because it's helping them earn money while they work on their art or their writing, you know, like an actor waiting tables.
0: We can get really philosophical thinking about this. Was J.K. Rowling underemployed when she was working as a teacher and writing Harry Potter in her spare time?
2: What we can more easily measure is if you're working part time and you'd really prefer to work full time, but there aren't any full time jobs that you can find.
3: Let's recap. The unemployed are people without jobs who are available to take a job and are actively looking for one. But there are a bunch of people for whom the labour market might not quite be working that well, who aren't technically unemployed.
2: And even if they're not technically unemployed, we still care about them.
1: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you.
3: At the start of the episode, President Biden equated joblessness with hopelessness. And a lot of us do find unemployment frightening. Wouldn't zero unemployment be the ideal outcome?
0: Yeah, zero unemployment would be great, but it might be pretty difficult to achieve. Economists often say that there are three main reasons for why people experience unemployment. First, it just takes some time to match people looking for jobs with those offering them. We call this frictional unemployment.
2: Frictional unemployment's basically an information problem. It's me offering a job that's perfect for you, Naz, but you not knowing this job's available. The main way workers and employers find each other is through job postings, through word of mouth or recruiting firms. Anything that makes it easier for workers to find out about jobs or jobs to find out about workers helps reduce unemployment.
0: So policy or technology solutions that help workers and employers find each other faster can actually lower a country's unemployment rate and reduce that wasteful period of unemployment.
2: Sometimes, though, the problem is deeper. It's a mismatch in skills. So workers need to get new skills to make it easier to find a job, also need to think differently about the kinds of jobs that they're going to be likely to find. For example, manufacturing jobs have been declining for decades in the U.S., Whereas the service industry is growing.
0: There are actually still lots of new jobs in manufacturing all the time that are getting created. But here's the thing. There are more people searching for these jobs than there are new jobs. It's like a game of musical chairs without enough chairs. If you stay in the game long enough, you'll ultimately get a seat. But you might be better off switching to the musical chairs game to your right that has more chairs than people playing. So if you're an auto worker out of a job, you might want to consider training for a new industry.
3: How do policymakers deal with this change in skills that employers want?
0: Well, this is where unemployment and education and training start to intersect. It's important to help people think more broadly about how they can use their skills in the current labor market but also to help them get training that will lead to a new job. Job search assistance has also been shown to be really helpful to get workers back into jobs.
2: There's also a category of unemployment that economists call structural unemployment. This is the unemployment that is just really hard to tackle because it's related to a structural phenomenon in the economy. Formally, we think about it as there being more people who want to work at a going wage than there are businesses willing to hire people at that wage. In a sense the wage gets stuck at a rate too high to get rid of unemployment.
0: Yeah, so structural unemployment can happen even when an economy is really strong. The category of unemployment that people think the most about, I think, is what we call cyclical unemployment. This is the unemployment that results during a recession or a downturn.
2: Economists talk about the ups and downs in the economy as being the business cycle. So the unemployment that results from the downs is cyclical, you know, related to the cycle.
0: You know, what's tough about it is that while the economy will eventually bounce back, not all the workers who lose jobs during a recession will bounce back. I mean, actually, any kind of unemployment becomes more problematic the longer people have been unemployed. Most people are only unemployed for a few months Usually reflecting that frictional unemployment, you know, the fact that it takes time to find a new job once you've lost one, but some people can find it hard to find work and they end up unemployed for a really long time, like over six months.
3: And when there's a recession, there aren't enough jobs, so I'm guessing more people can end up unemployed for a long time.
2: That's right. And it's a huge problem. And, you know, that can create its own kind of structural unemployment as employers become reluctant to hire those who haven't worked in a long time, or those workers might ultimately become discouraged and drop out of the unemployment statistics.
3: We've talked about government trying to help reduce unemployment by helping people find jobs and train them for new jobs. But does government ever do things that creates unemployment?
2: They do. Some laws have the effect of actually raising unemployment. For example, if the government mandates compensation or wages that are too high or makes it too hard to fire people or makes it unappealing to create new jobs, then we might end up in a situation where a lot more people want to work than employers want to hire them.
0: And those are examples of that kind of structural unemployment
3: that can be really hard to deal with. You know, it's not just about the economy, though. I find my work is a big part of who I am, and I think a lot of people feel similar. I'd feel devastated if I couldn't get a job, and especially one that I cared about.
0: Unemployment is really stressful and can make people feel isolated and question their self-worth. There's a stigma to being unemployed, and it can impact the entire family. Research also shows that children whose parents become unemployed can themselves have worse educational and employment outcomes as an adult.
2: It gets harder to find a job the longer you're without work. Employers will discriminate against the long-term unemployed. And even when those who lose jobs in a recession get jobs, it's often at a lower wage and often with a worse job as well.
0: Our good friend and now Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the following... Long-term unemployment can make any worker progressively less employable, even after the economy strengthens. You know, that's really just saying that the economy bounces back, but not everyone does.
3: This all sounds really bleak. The thing is, a lot of us may be unemployed at some point in our lives. So how can we prepare ourselves so we can bounce back and not suffer so much?
2: Well, one thing is just to be relentless about searching for a job and try to avoid falling into the trap of being unemployed for a long time. If after several weeks of search, a job comes along that isn't perfect, but it's okay, you might want to take it and then look for another job from that position of strength. You could always keep looking for a job, even when you found a new one. Let me add, if you can try to save some money when you're working, that can be a nest egg that'll help you when you lose your job.
0: You know, research shows that looking for a job when you're unemployed is a really miserable time in your day. And, you know, what can be even harder is reaching out to people you know and asking for help, right? We already said that it's a real hit to your self-worth. But tap into your networks. People underestimate just how many job offers and even information about what's out there comes from word of mouth. You're also more likely to get hired if you have a referral, So if you're looking for a job, don't lose touch with people. Don't be afraid to reach out. Let them know that you're looking, and don't lose hope.
3: Betsy, Justin, thank you.
0: Hey, Naz, it was great talking with you, and if you ever find yourself looking for work, I'm going to have your back.
2: (laughs) Reach out to your friends. We're here to help you, mate.
3: That's exactly what
0: I was thinking when you said
3: that, (laughs)
0: It's really important. People really need to, to rely on the people that they know and people want to help. They really do. But boy,
3: I know how hard it can be to ask for that help. You know, apart from the first job I got and apart from university, I think everything I've done in my life has totally come from, you know, like asking people I know, which is a very weird thing to think about.
0: No, people hate the idea that referrals really matter so much in the labor market and they think like maybe it's not merit-based, but there's really, really nice research on this that shows that when you hire somebody with a referral, they tend to stay with the company longer and be more productive. So that information that your friends are giving, the problem is is that it's actually good. And so that's why referrals are going to continue to matter. Thanks for listening.
2: There's a lot more from this show and others like it on the Himalaya Learning platform.
0: Himalaya Learning provides bite-sized courses from world-class thinkers and industry experts for you to enjoy in the app, on the go.
2: For exclusive content, including bonus episodes and supplemental materials, go to himalaya.com slash econ and enter promo code econ at checkout for your first 14 days free.
0: Himalaya.com slash econ has loads of great shows like ours, so try it out using the promo code econ at checkout to get your first 14 days free. It's time
1: to think like an economist. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.